much longer You've changed a lot somehow From the world I used to know For when you hold me now I feel like you never wanna let me go It's a sign of the times That you call me up Whenever you feel lonely It's a sign of the times That you tell your friends That I'm your one and only WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. That's Pet Clark, a sign of the Times, 1966 on Warner Brothers. Got to number 11. 66 was a big year for her. Amazing for a singer who'd been charting in Great Britain since the late 40s. But by the 60s, in her 30s, living in France, she suddenly became a rock and roll hit artist. And 54 years ago today, she was on ABC's Where the Action Is, the Dick Clark Show featuring Steve Alamo singing that. I'm Raleigh James. We've been talking about a variety of things, and of course, one of the one of the topics that comes up politically probably more than ever, whether you're talking about how news is presented or more to the point, what's what's going on in Hollywood, uh, what's the real story. Uh, you, you start to get a lot of, a lot of different opinions. And uh, producer Tom said, "Well, the opinion you should get is is Sean Sto- Stones. He's uh, put Hollywood DC a documentary together. He's the son of Oliver Stone, and uh, he." can uh, expose a lot about the hidden relationships between uh, politics and the media. And so, Sean, welcome to WGN Radio. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very interested in this. I have not seen your documentary. I certainly will, but at this point, uh producer Tom says uh, you're you're the guy and I'm I'm curious because of course son of Oliver Stone, you grew up mired in uh in in Hollywood that that's for sure and uh, the politics therein. And what is your conclusion? Um oh my god, that's a that's a that's a vast uh question, but uh, can you be more specific in terms of the conclusion in which regard? Well, in in terms of many people are saying that, you know, Hollywood is, is actually, let me back up and say, when I was younger, everybody was still talking about the Red Menace. And, of course, the House on American Activities, everybody was, was afraid there would be a communist behind every rock. And clearly, the pendulum swung in a direction that was absurd. Well, now a number of people are saying, well, maybe they weren't so far off. Maybe, uh, maybe the left rules Hollywood, does it? Uh, it's interesting. The left rule, yeah. I mean, look, um, we see it. We see it certainly when it comes to things like, uh, you know, the cancel culture that's now becoming prominent. Right? Um, it's not that the left can rule Hollywood. It's like in the documentary we point out. Uh, Greg Palast, a great researcher and author, points out that Hollywood has always been on the side of leftist issues when it comes to. Um, progressive, you know, things around homosexuality or um, civil rights, you know, things in the, more in the social spectrum, right? Uh, women's 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 rights, things like this. They're, the the Hollywood has been very more progressive on that side of things. Um, and then, you know, obviously, when it comes to cancel culture, it becomes vehement. So that you know, if you're um, they're trying to cancel now Chris Pratt recently, right? Because he's considered. Uh, you know, a hardcore Christian who's, you know, questionable when it comes to gay rights. So um, they can be very tough on people when it comes to uh, accepting that status quo of sort of social norms. Uh, but when you look at the bigger issue, it's not so much that the left rules Hollywood. It's just that it's been infiltrated since the beginning 
um, by agendas that are often tied tied to um, warmongering intelligence agencies, things like this. And my documentary goes into the history, the long history of selling war through um, World War, from World War One on, you know, through movie stars selling war propaganda, all the way through the modern films that are actually oftentimes uh, many scripts are censored by the Pentagon or the CIA or FBI um, to basically give people a uh, sort of a American-centric perspective on interventionism, right? So oftentimes, um, even though, you know, many liberals say that they're anti-war or whatnot, uh, when it comes to other films that they're churning out, they tend to be uh, propagandistic and militaristic and, and the like, and they don't tend to really question the official narrative when it comes to uh, American intervention abroad. So I think it's it's not so much about left or right. It's very much a, uh, a consensus type of mentality and a conformity that kicks in into Hollywood and makes it difficult to really challenge the status quo, let's say. That's really interesting in terms of the CIA or the FBI maybe uh, passing judgment on a script. How does that work? I didn't even know they were involved. Absolutely. I mean, the CIA um, actively has an office in Hollywood since the 90s. Um, but it's more importantly, it's, it's, it's actually the CIA influence goes back to probably the, um, the late, you know, post-World War II era mm-hmm. um, when they would literally pass notes. But to the present day, it's very much, um, very much about, like, for example, let's say you're doing a TV show, right, and it features the FBI, or let's say, you know, you're trying to, you know, you want the FBI's blessing, in a sense, to get... Um, their technical support, for example, right? So then if you give them the the script, they're going to say, well, you know, we can't have an FBI agent doing this or saying that. Um, CIA is similar, right? You think about shows like 24. That was very much a propaganda piece, if you think about it, for the CIA, right? That's just one of many alias as well. Um, In fact, Jennifer Garner, we point out in the documentary, Jennifer Garner literally was like part of the CIA video that was created, um, I think, to like, you know, welcome people to the agency, right? So there's, you know, that's that level, which is above the surface. Uh, at deeper levels, you can go into the issue of, like, for example, the MK Ultra programs, which, yeah. as we know, um, very little is known. <laughs> we know that very little is known. We know a little bit because most of the files were destroyed. The vast majority, maybe, I don't know, 95, 98% of the files were destroyed by the CIA, by the Helms, CIA director. So the files that did come out indicate very, very dangerous practices about mind control derived from some of them evolved from Nazi uh, concentration camp programs. But essentially, you know, not just using drugs, psychedelics, um, deception, um, you know, trying to create truth serums, uh, you name it, many different things that were used to try to reprogram the human mind, even including microchipping people, not people, actually, but we know they microchipped animals to show that they could control animal behavior. So imagine, you know, if that's unleashed to many level across it on the human population um, as a sub-project or something even more clandestine than what what has been revealed, as many people have come forth over the years talking about their own um, experiences of being uh, sexually abused as children, traumatized, and, you know, basically potentially part of either CIA, military, or some nexus of, of government programs that you, we don't, you know, it's very difficult to find the documentation because at that level, 
a program, it would probably be off books in the sense it would be more um, privatized in the private sector such that you cannot have oversight. So when people come out talking about the idea that being uh, sexually abused as children or, you know, you think about the nature of what has been exposed around the Jeffrey Epstein scandal and the idea of human trafficking and sexual abuse of minors and how uh, Epstein's partner, Jalen Maxwell, is herself, um, you know, seems to be an agent of perhaps MI6, perhaps Mossad. She certainly, you know, has all the markings of being an agent, um, and she's involved in this networking, uh, this trafficking network um, with Epstein. And, of course, Epstein was known to have brought people like Bill Clinton to his island and consorted with, you know, certain uh, Hollywood celebrities like uh, Kevin Spacey and, uh, and others that came out. Um, that's only what's come out, right, at the tip of the iceberg. So you think about the idea that there's an infrastructure in place that allows for this type of um, sexual trafficking tied into, you know, potentially using using victims of trafficking for uh, political agendas, whether it's um, creating, you know, mind control victims, because when people are traumatized as youths, oftentimes they'll split off into multiple personalities that can then be designed like alters in a sense, right? You may have seen Manchurian Candidate. That story was based on that idea that you can create an alter in someone so that they can then um, do something that they don't even realize that they are doing because they're in an altered state, right? They're in an alter, they're a dissociated identity. And so the CIA has been working on this kind of stuff since the 40s, 50s, and 60s. You can imagine um, how perfected these type of things are. And many people talk about the idea of celebrities in Hollywood, whether in music or movies, that are themselves victims of this kind of entail um, to mind control programming to dissociate and create alternate personalities, and then could be used for any number of uh, very dark purposes. If you think about, you know, the idea of a celebrity influencing millions of people, traveling the world, um, being able to access things that most most civilians can't do. So it just it brings up a lot of questions. I'm not saying that we know exactly the depths and the you know, how dark this can get. But the things that come out over the years certainly indicate um, very nefarious dealings that do tie in to, you know, ultimately to some Hollywood. Fascinating. Just fascinating. We're talking with Sean Stone, and of course, he is in many ways the ultimate Hollywood insider, but also very interesting in his own path, spiritually and otherwise, and uh, talking about uh, the, the secret behind the things you see on the big screen and more. Uh, 888-876-5593 is 8888 Raleigh on WGN Radio. The silver sand I see bird sails across the coast The water's crystal in your hand The air is silver The temple's easy as you please From every lemon yellow Singing a song of cinnamon and glow. The air is cinnamon and glow. 
WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. That's Sergio Mendez. Brazil 66 Cinnamon and Clove, 1967 on a and was an LP cut on Equinox. Brazil 66 was on the same wear as the action show. I mentioned that Pet Clark was on 54 years ago today. But after Mosh Canada, most of Sergio's stuff on A&M was very anglicized, and the lone exception was that 1967 album Equinox. Tons of great Brazilian stuff, but one cut that sounded Brazilian, a lot of samba in it, but wasn't, was Cinnamon and Clove. Johnny Mandel wrote it, and uh, for that, wrote much more than that, actually. But the Bergmans did the lyrics, who were so well-known for uh, so many Bossa Nova lyrics translated from Portuguese. I shouldn't really say translated, most weren't, but uh, (laughs) there were a new set of lyrics for them. But nonetheless, the lead vocalist on that, of course, Chicago's own Lonnie Hall. We're talking with Sean Stone, about the other side of Hollywood that maybe you don't see as much in front of the camera, and then again, or maybe you do. And I've welcomed your calls at 888-876-5593, and that takes us to Don and Berwin. You're on WGN Radio with Sean Stone. Welcome, Don. Hello, I like your music, uh, Riley. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stone, I'm wondering uh, about the Series 24, which is a very good series, if it was possible... uh, why it wasn't brought back for another uh, series if the CIA had something to do with that? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't know if it, the CIA had something to do with stopping it. I mean, the show went on for, what, like six or seven seasons. I think it had plenty of runtime. I think it served its purpose, basically. It was a precursor oh. way to Homeland. That, uh, that, t- that TV show Homeland, in a way, was an evolution of it. I think it's the same creator. Okay. Um, but essentially, 24, I think, served a psychological purpose in the wake of 9-11 and the war on terror that was being promulgated at the time. And it was basically uh, normalizing the idea of using torture on terrorists, right? And the idea of the, the CIA hero was meant to give people the encouragement that, um, you know, that the CIA and the government is taking care of the bad guys, which I think when you look at 9-11, you really have to question how much of an inside job it was because... Uh, there's just way too many red flags in the whole operation um, that would indicate, you know, I think the most, the biggest smoking gun on 9-11 is Building 7, which is the third right. tower to collapse at, at free fall speed with no plane hitting it. So the fact is that there's just many people that have done good jobs over the years of raising all the issues around what happened on 9-11 and how uh, the CIA perhaps intentionally misled the FBI in not telling them about the terrorists that were here because I think the CIA was basically being dictated at a different, at a higher level. You know, you really look at the nature of the empire that rules the planet with secret societies, uh, secret societies couched within imperial politics. Um, but it's certainly not what you think you see on television. Because again, the media has been designed since the end of World War II. The actually, the media love the channels like the CBSs and NBCs. ABCs. They actually evolved out of the intelligence services. If you if you understand the history of where media, like as far as television came from, um, for example, like BBC, it was was an instrument directly of the uh, British intelligence during World War II, World War Two. Uh, and so, at the end of the war, you know, you think that the intelligence services are just going to surrender that kind of influence? Well, we know, and the CIA had a project called Mockingbird, uh, Mockingbird, which was. Uh, designed to influence directly the news and media um, in the post-war era. And basically, we know that they had at least 300 journalists or more that they were on payroll for CIA and they were feeding stories to. 
So imagine, you know, that's just what we know, again, from the post-war era. Um, and to the present day, the design is always for the intelligence services to have their level of influence over um, the news that gets disseminated to you. That's why we're at this very critical moment now where citizen journalists are starting to, you know, question things, and they're having, you know, people like Alex Jones have cropped up, and there are many more that have followed who basically say, we don't need CNN and Fox to tell us the news. We can we can find it for ourselves, and we can create our own networks, and we can, you know, basically get information out to the American people that way. And I think that's what's, that's what's so challenging for, if you think about what social media is doing right now, social media is playing the same role that um, the Fox and the CNN and other news sites have tried to do, which is let's censor who can, who can speak, right, yeah. who has a voice, uh, which, what is truth. And this is a very dangerous thing, you know, because it, it's always a question of what is truth. You know, just because uh, the fact checkers tell you that something is not, is not isn't checked out, well, I'm sorry, the fact checkers tend to be wrong on a lot of things if you really look at it. And oh, they use man. sophistry where yeah. they'll take one they'll take one line of, of, a, of a sentence, for example, or one misquote, or they'll take one aspect, you know, like a, they call it a straw man argument, right? Where it's like you make the argument based on the on the worst case, but actually, if you if they ignore the other cases that are uh, more relevant, it's like with the UFO thing, which is also something fascinating to me. Where it's All like right. you take the one guy you can discredit, you say, "Oh, this guy's a lunatic. He was on LSD, so everyone must be a lunatic when they say they saw a UFO." Yeah. Meanwhile, 90, 90 plus percent of the guys doing UFOs are like you know military. You know, officers, aviators—you know, people with professional backgrounds—they're not just lunatics, right? But you don't—you you take the one you can discredit, and then you say, "You see, everyone who sees the UFO is crazy." Oh, that's a- what they do. They manipulate you with false information. Absolutely, we're going to leave it right there. And yes, once again, someone winning the indoor Olympics in the conclusion jump category, and we'll pick it up with Sean Stone. And thanks to Don for calling. I hope you will too on WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James Thurston Harris, and do what you did, 1957 on Aladdin. And that was his first single that Aladdin released, it did nothing. And then the one right after that was Libby Pretty One, which was a huge hit. In fact, it entered the national charts 63 years ago today. On the strength of that, they released Do What You Did again in 1958. It made it to number 14 on the R&B charts and 57 on the pop charts, so it got some action. But Thurston Harris, a wonderful denizen of early L.A. R&B, and we are talking with Sean Stone about another facet of L.A., and that is the one you see on television and uh, hear about uh, daily, and it's interesting as I'm listening to Sean talk about it, suddenly it makes so much sense when people say, well, why is the news presented as it is? Well, in many ways I would assume that news product on networks is just an extension of entertainment in some ways and is probably equally controlled what do you think, Sean? That's really very well put. Um, 
controlled, you know, right down to who writes the scripts. Why is it that when you turn on your television, have you seen some of these new documentaries like Out of the Shadows and some others that come out and they show you literally like 15, 20 different news channels with the newscasters saying the exact same phrasing? Mm-hmm. You've seen they're going, who writes the script for all these people that they all have the same lines, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's so much more controlled than people realize. And, you know, you just just have to wonder, you know, how is it that the news topics that get chosen, right, and get regurgitated every day? Um, when, you stop, when you stop watching it and you start to, you know, look outside of the bubble, you know, it's like right now it's happening. There's The news is so fixated on uh, COVID cases, and they're trying to focus everyone's attention on the COVID spike. Meanwhile, you know, CDC had to acknowledge they're going to stop counting the flu, which right now is beginning a flu season, especially when you have storms and you have winter cold, cold setting on. It's normal to get, you know, the flu time of year. But so they want everyone thinking about COVID spike. No one's asking on the news channels questions about Hunter Biden's laptop. And, right. uh, you know, right. the scandal that's come along with that as far as uh, recognizing that he was involved with some corrupt dealing in Ukraine, for example, that probably benefited his father. Uh, financially, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. I'm told that, uh, you know, some of the photos that have come out in, indicating, um, well, right. obviously the crack pipe stuff, but the sexual, sexual deviance, there are all kinds of things that can come out of this. And of course, the news doesn't want you to talk about that or think about it, right? So they want you fixated on uh, COVID. They want you fixated on, you know, the next uh, person who's been killed by the police. You know, they want you focused on those types of stories, um, not, for example, the fact that, like, Millions of people around the world are are literally in uh, in, in riot mode right. against uh, lockdowns, right? And and how lockdowns have destroyed their economies and been in many ways very invasive to any any notion of, of uh, you know freedom of commerce, uh, freedom of association. Um, and so this is this is why then you know you think about well it's not just a coincidence that the news isn't talking about those things doesn't want you to think about those things it wants your mind. On fear, as we know, um, fear is very powerful to motivate people when they're scared of a yeah. virus, when they're scared of terrorism, right? The last, before the virus, it was like, you know, uh, well, before uh, before Trump, I should say, it was like constant fear of terror right? Right. since 9-11. It's been constant red alerts, orange alerts, yellow alerts, <laughs> yeah. you know, fear fear of terror. And then before that, it was, you know, fear of black men and, and crime and, uh, you know, fear of uh, drugs. And I mean, come on, it's like, it's just constant fear porn uh, perpetuated. And then you see it like they take, so the news spreads this story, you know, whatever it is you're supposed to be afraid of. And then, you know, then it, then, then it spins off into television and, you know, and films, right, that are derived from that same psychology, right, which is basically, um, Trust the establishment. Don't question anything. Uh, you yeah. know the government and the big corporations. You know, yeah, we know that they're corrupt, but that's just the way it is. And you know, occasionally you get an Aaron Brockovich who comes along and exposes the fact that they're really poisoning you. But hey, that's in the past. Like, don't right, <laughs> right, yeah, they've never done it. Like again. they're not really yeah. poisoning you right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. COVID is probably the most 
obviously instructive example of this. And what's interesting to me, of course, is that we still don't know what it is. And there's many of us who believe that this was an engineered virus, not saying that it was uh, intentionally for biowarfare or anything, but in the labs, that's what they do. They try to uh, splice, say, bloodborne with aerosols to come up with antivirals or vaccines or whatever. And if they get loose, well, the result can be terrible. And it's alarming to me that nobody is really zeroing in on this. Now, if you look at the history of what we outlawed as far as research in this country, and you look at the Wuhan lab, and you look at the Fauci connection, there are so many things worthy of news coverage. And when you talk about people who are making vaccines all over the world in trials, and you're saying, wait a minute, they don't even have the genetic code for what this is because we haven't had it released. Uh, This, to me, is the big story. So instead, we get the numbers. Now, the numbers are another thing that stunned to me because even mm. the CDC will say you know the percentage of errors is basically astronomical but also this, this idea that the number of deaths when if somebody in any way has a COVID infection it's classified as a primary death and of course the one we've all heard about was the motorcycle accident in Florida that was so over the top that was the COVID death but you know the nursing home proportion all this and you see the numbers given and no journalist is there disclaiming them, saying, well, let's put these numbers in perspective. So I think yeah. more than anything else we've had recently, we're, uh, we're seeing that with, uh, with COVID and we're seeing that too with, uh, with the Hunter Biden laptop, which if it weren't for alternative media, and even though social media tries to damp it down, the Internet and everything else. Oh, by the way, you'll, you'll love this. Uh, John, who's screening our calls at 888-876-5593, got someone screaming at him while you were talking earlier to say, he mentioned Alex Jones. And <laughs> as if, the, I can't I believe that. WGN would even mention him. And, uh, no. you know, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, it's like, exactly. what's, but like, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like he's become like Rush Limbaugh for some people. Right. But, Alex has done some great work over the years. Do I agree with everything he said? No. But I, do, have, have I interviewed him? I've interviewed him. I think what he did with Bohemian Grove, yeah. I will always commend him. Right. He broke into Bohemian Grove. Yes, he did. The fact these, these weird elite gatherings, it's very occultic, right? It's very cultic in terms of how they do this satanic ritual burning a, a child. It's not a real child. It's right. a doll. Right. But, you know, don't you think it's a little odd? Well, that, yeah, that, <laughs> that whole... Uh... Gathering... Right. Every summer. <laughs> right, right, that exactly, that, that whole documentary. And, of course, I have a soft spot for Alex because when I was in Austin, he was just starting out, and he was a faithful listener. So, <laughs> so I'll, always, uh, I'll always love him for that. But, you know, yeah, sure, he can be over-the-top insane, but you don't throw out all the information, or more to the point, what, what struck me in, in our caller who just <laughs> couldn't stop yelling, was that his answer was then this should be prohibited from discussing and that idea of that you can't talk about it is what is most dangerous and that's what we're seeing you know the biden laptop at first when we all heard about it at the first blush in the news media i mean come on your first reaction is 
this is too good to be true. You know, we better fact check some of this because, you know, someone someone tells you, well, sex with underage girls, including his niece, and he dropped the laptop off at a computer store for repair and didn't pick it up. You say you say to yourself, no, no, even someone in a drug induced coma doesn't do this kind of stuff. But as time has go on, gone on, a lot of this is coming out as substantiated, as you well know, including interviews with business associates. So I don't fault major media for maybe in the first day taking kind of a back seat to say, we got to find out if we're being had on this. But at this point, why is it not being mentioned? And that's, uh, you know, that's the question. Now, of course, uh, the, the, the myth of the free Internet, you've got all the social media giants right now, the, the Googles, the Facebooks, and uh, all this in their, in their fact-checking ways that are doing their damnedest to make sure that we don't see any of this. So for individuals who want to know, and you're 100% right, by the way, of the, the theory that they find the one complete Yahoo and then throw out the baby with all that bath water and say, well, anybody talking about this must be must be crazy. I was happy that you mentioned MK Ultra because that's another one. You tell someone about MK Ultra and they want to know where your tinfoil hat is. The only problem is it's come out to be verified. And see, that's all the, the documents are there. Yeah, <laughs> right. They are in the government's own writing. And so, with this in mind, when that comes forward. What is, it's almost like a religion, because it can't be a fact. What's the religion of people's thought that, oh, well, this is all bogus? When it, You know, the, the, the denial in that is the psychological part that I just don't get. The, the cognitive dissonance has been in operation, really, if you think about it, since the beginning of the studies of my, of my control, right? It's how to basically, it's religious, too. I mean, you think about yeah. it, religious is that religions are oftentimes based in the idea of cognitive dissonance, such that people, you know, are meant to uh, discount their own their own beliefs, their, their own, you know, ideas of, of what they see and what they hear, like they literally are meant to discount it. Um, and so you think about what has, well, there's a lot of things. The evolution of not saying religion is bad, but the way that religion has manipulated over time, as we know, to move people has been studied by MKUltra. MKUltra was very interested in how do religions and cults work, how does magic work, how to basically as a magician create the mood and the atmosphere such that people can't even see what's in front of their own eyes, right? They, they, don't, they, miss, they miss the trick entirely because they're focused somewhere else, or you use uh, audio, you know, audio effects to distract. There's so many different things that have been studied by those that are interested in these sciences. So when you understand how it's deployed, it's actually quite simple because oftentimes it's playing on people's passions, right? So it's like you can't actually have a, 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 a conversation based in fact. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the issue of like the coronavirus, for example, being created. There's so many documents. That it, this has been disclosed by journalists talking about the fact that the gov- our government was initially doing this research to create the coronavirus. In fact, the first, the first SARS virus in 2003 in China, I believe, there was a patent on it from, our, from one of our doctors or scientists here in America even before it. So it goes, the whole history of SARS is actually very curious. And a good documentary to watch is Plandemic, uh-huh. <clears throat> Plandemic Indoctrination. is a wonderful documentary. And it literally shows you down to the down to October of last year when the event uh, 201 or whatever that event that uh, Gates Foundation and others were sponsoring about uh, a coronavirus uh, outbreak, yep. how the language that would be disseminated mm-hmm. is exactly what you're hearing from the media. So you understand that it's 
script has been written, it was written before this whole pandemic began. So if you understand this, the scripted nature of it, then you understand why no one's allowed to question the, the conspiracy theory that is, you know, coronavirus uh, being, you know, uh, in some way engineered or bioengineered. Um, but it's like, it's just, you, it's right in front of their faces, but people don't want to believe it because they have their agenda. So the place right. the bias is in, it's, let me, this is about Trump. Trump is killing people. I hate Trump because he's annoying. He's, you know, he's crass, he's crude, he's mean. He, he doesn't like, the, you know, whatever, whatever. women, yeah. immigrants, you name it. You know, and so I don't like him. So whatever I can pin on him, I will blame him for. And it's, people, it's very difficult in life to be unbiased. It's very difficult in life to be someone that loves justice. I happen to be someone that loves justice and truth more than anything. So it's like throughout my life I've been able to try to discern and even say, look, you know, this guy is good in this way and bad in that way, and he's good in this way and bad in that way, because I love justice more than anything. Most people, I think, are too biased. They're too biased by their beliefs, by their by the ideology, by their feelings, to actually stand there and just go, hmm, what's really happening? Where is the justice? Where is the actual fairness in a given situation? It's difficult to, to maintain that because... We're too impassioned oftentimes, and we're led in that, in that way unless we can start to divorce ourselves from our beliefs that have been given to us since we were kids, indoctrinated by textbooks telling us the history of the United States, which was false history, by the way. <laughs> and getting getting <laughs> worse, written, you know? getting worse by the day. <laughs> Yeah, and we're talking to Sean Stone. Sean is a absolute uh, ultimate Hollywood insider, but has a real good handle on uh, the question that's so often asked: Why are we seeing what we're seeing? And uh, if you've got a got a comment, we'll take it. Eight 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 seven six five five nine three is eighty eight eighty eight Raleigh on WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. We'll forego the last bumper because I want to get every minute out of Sean Stone I can. By the way, on Twitter, it's at watching Sean and. It's interesting, Sean, what you said about people's reaction, again, falls right into the fear factor. And it's so easy to say, well, if I get the right person in office, all is going to be well, because it'll be just perfect. Because otherwise, you might have to actually realize there's a problem and get involved to fix it. So the idea that somebody will fix it for me is a very alluring promise. So maybe that explains why people fall for some of the rhetoric they do, because it's otherwise just absolutely inexplicable to me. Well, I mean, at certain points, like, you can only fool me so many times. <laughs> I'd love Billy Bush said it. You know, you could fool, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. You're not going to fool me again. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me, uh, let me, let me, for that. let me have you, uh, look into your crystal ball a moment since obviously you are the ultimate observer with an inside track. What do you think's going to happen next week? Well, I'm praying that uh, we keep on that we that we keep this, the president in power and allow for this war on the deep state to continue. Because I'll tell you, the last three years, four years, have been the greatest revelation as far as you know. I think what's come out it's been monumental. I think the people waking up to this great awakening concept—it's so real. It's happening real time, whether people realize it or not. Trump is a is a metaphor of it in a sense. You know, they don't get, you know they don't get that he's doing. You know what he, what people, what Q thinks he's doing. I don't know. I just know that what he's doing is shaking up the whole thing. And if Biden goes in, it's just going to go back to business as usual. The dirty politics, the lying politicians, all that stuff is going to just—it's just like sugar coating, right? It's like yeah. putting sugar on something which doesn't know sugar to toxic. Like just putting the sugar on it as opposed to saying, "Listen, 
let's expose it. Let's let's yeah, let's get raw, let's get ugly, let's let's expose what we really are, America. We're screwed up. You know, we've had we've got no problems, but the Constitution is a beautiful thing, and we the people are the basis of it. I think they're going to have record number of turnout for this election. I think it's like this polarization in our country is also polarization in our own souls. And it's a beautiful time of looking at that and just sort of facing our own darkness, facing our own shadows, and, and bringing them to light, you know, each of us, because in our process, the whole country is being exposed, the politicians, the, the corporations, the, the name it, like what we thought was America that's been for so long has been corrupt and, and in, some, in many ways dark and dirty, but there's also a beautiful thing at the core, and I think this is what we want. We want the, the expression of freedom. We want the expression of freedom and and business, the ability to make a better future for ourselves and for our children. That's what the American dream is. And I don't see that coming if if Trump doesn't stay in power. I don't. I think it it can get very dark. I would concur with all of that. But let's for for a moment assume that it is an absolute uh, win uh, on all fronts. Uh, What do you think, because we've seen the rioting leading up to it, what do you think the reaction to a Trump win will be? won't matter because at that point the, 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 look, we, I, look a lot of this stuff is so fomented i mean come on the george so, george soros blatantly said at the world economic forum they did you know the 2020 election was so important he doesn't want to see trump win I mean, we know what soros can do as far as pouring money into the blm and the antifa type of groups but it doesn't really matter because once as long as we're as long as we have the president basically saying we're, you know, we're pro-business. We want to see the states open up. We want to see uh, economies start. Uh, you know, I feel like, the, the, yes, some states are going to go crazy, right? But that's going to happen anyway. California, Oregon, yeah. <laughs> Washington, I mean, they're kind of, they're going nuts regardless. Um, it's not necessarily, this is where it's very interesting, because the president's job in the federal power is not necessarily to intervene into states' rights. And that's why people are so stupid. They're blaming Trump for, yeah. for, for, for unemployment and lockdowns. And he's literally said the states... The states can have their own policy when it comes to lockdowns. He hasn't enforced it. Of and course. that's what people are missing. They're Absolutely. Saying, like, the president doesn't have that power. He shouldn't be stepping in and telling a state what to do. That's supposed to be a state's rights. Well, so these idiots are saying that Trump ruined the economy or he didn't lock down the states, but that wasn't his prerogative. That actually would have been, he would have been overstepping the Constitution. Well, so it's like, I'm so tired of the lies. I think the American public is tired of the lies. I think most people are tired of it. The media is just full of liars. Fake, for the, fake uh, news is real. For the, well, right. For the last uh, over a hundred years, we have lost the concept that United States was a plural noun. The entire framework of the uh, Constitution is for the states to have all the power. But when you when you see some politicians out on the stump, they completely obliterate that theory in the same way that they call for an end to the electoral college for individuals who don't understand why there is an electoral college and there is an alarming amount of uh, of acceptance of this so i thank you for uh, for speaking out on this it's been a pleasure to have you for an hour and hopefully we can do this again yeah, I would love that. All I really right. appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Sean. All right, so yeah. that is Sean Stone, and again, on Twitter, at watching Sean. And uh, I, uh, I give Sean a lot of credit for speaking out because he's in an atmosphere where clearly that is not the popular opinion. But <laughs> to say the least, that's John in the background who's screening your calls at 888-876-5593-888. 
R-O-L-L-Y-E. An hour. Oh, I found a very interesting article about 